from the Father of lights, in whom is not even a hint of change. Even rain is this really good and kind gift that replenishes the earth. We pray that it would help with the, even the dryness of our earth. And God, we thank you for that. It's a reminder that you are a good father. And, and our earthly fathers, even the good ones, are only dim reflections of, of your goodness and kindness. So, God, we thank you for uh, our fathers. God, we pray for our fathers. God, we, we, we praise you for those who have... You have turned from darkness to light. We thank you for fathers that know you as their Savior and who have God for their Father. And for those who have, who have done well as fathers, we pray that you would bless them. God, for all of us who, is, who have failed as fathers, please forgive us. Forgive us for uh, misrepresenting who you are. God, for those who have been hurt by fathers, we pray that the healing love of God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ and the presence of the Holy Spirit would begin to do the work of restoration in those who have been hurt by fathers. God, we, we pray for those who are going to be new fathers, those who want to be fathers, God, those who uh, don't, don't see how it could ever be that they would be a father, we pray for all of us that we would find our identity in you. We would find our, our acceptance and value and worth in you and in nothing else. God, we, just, we pray in general for, God, those in authority. We, we thank you that authority is from you and is good. Even though it has been abused, God, your authority is good. And, and we pray for those in authority that they would use it rightly. That they would use it for the good of other people and for the, for the glory of God. God, we, we ask that you would help and maintain good authority in this world. We even pray for our government. God, we pray for our, our president, Biden, and Vice President Harris, and God, we ask that you would help them to use their authority for the good of those that are under their governance. God, we pray that those of us who are under their governance would, would live at peace and dwell at peace uh, in, in freedom so that, so that we might honor the one true authority who's over all. God, we pray for those who are under authority that maybe are suffering abuses. We just, we just think of, of governments that are abusing their citizens. And God, we ask that you would help, that you would, you would cause Christians to, to rise up and look to you and, and be a help to those who have been victimized. And maybe they've been victimized themselves. And we, God, we ask that their hope and their joy would be in you. And you would give them an opportunity to escape abuse of authority. And God, we ask that in your good kindness, you, you would begin to, to, to rule in, in, in more ways through this earth. Even, even as your church expands even as people come under your good authority and, and take uh, the goodness of the gospel to others, we pray that your good authority would expand. So we pray that your kingdom would come. 
and your will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. And we ask that this would be for the glory of Jesus Christ and the, the good of all that you have made. And God, we, we ask for that, that kingdom expansion that you would use us as we, as we internalize the gospel message and begin to apply it to every area of our life, as, as we live as those who have been transformed by the gospel, God, help us to, to take that message out to others. And we pray that our gospel partners in this region would be excited and emboldened to, to preach the word with clarity uh, and with boldness. As Paul prayed, God, we, we pray that our, our lives would match our message and God, even, even in this area, you, you would give us a, a witness for you. So, God, we pray. We pray for uh, our brothers and sisters in this town. God, those who worship at Westminster Prez, we ask that you'd give them great joy as they receive your word. Would they internalize it and take it out when they, would, they give their lives away for the gospel? God, we, we pray for our brothers and sisters at Northwest Hills and Grant Avenue and, and Christ Central and and uh, Calvin Presbyterian, and First Baptist Church, and God, the many others that are partnering the gospel with us. Father, help them set their affections on things above so that they might live lives worthy of the gospel. And we do pray for ourselves. As we open your word, would you open up your word to us? Open our minds and our hearts that we might not leave this place unchanged but you would change us for the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. God, and I, I pray that because your word is a lamp to our feet and a light into our path, that uh, your word would dwell in us richly and the peace of Christ would rule among us. Father, I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts would be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. And may the zeal of the Lord of hosts perform all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So if you're not in Colossians chapter 3, we're going to be uh, in Colossians 3 another time this morning. Uh, We're looking at relationships. We're looking at how Christ is over all things. He's supreme over all. And, And one of the ways he is supreme over is our relationships. He's supreme over, we've looked in the uh, last week and in the weeks prior about how, he's, how he is over our relationships in the church and in, in ourself, and, and this morning we're going to look about in the home. I didn't plan it this way, I'm not, that, I'm not that clever, like we're talking about fathers this morning, it wasn't because of fathers, they didn't line it up like that, uh, just in case you thought I was that clever, I'm not. What we are going to look at is... Uh, you know, one of, one of the key verses in Colossians, especially for this section, is, uh, you know, if you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Right here is the verse, set your minds or your affections on the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds or affections on things above, not on things on the earth. And, and so what the question we want to look at this morning is, uh, what does it look like when you set your affections on things above in the home, in your house? Like, whether you're married or not, but especially for those of us who are married and have children, but for those of you who have roommates, what does it look like in your house when you set your affections 
on things above. It's the hardest place to live a consistent life, isn't it? Uh, Our wives, our husbands, our roommates, our kids all get to see us in the raw. (laughs) They all get to see us uh, when we're really frustrated, when our patience is exhausted. It's really hard to live a holy life at home. And so, I think what Paul is saying in these verses is, a home that sets its affections on things above looks like the proper exercise of submission and authority. Now, those are dirty words in our society. But I want to, even maybe you saw it in my prayer, I want to show us that actually submission and authority in themselves from God are good, but they've been abused, and, and, and that's how uh, we, we need to think of them. There is, they're good, but they can be abused. So how do we use submission and authority in our homes? And so um, if you could just go to the, to the set of verses, uh, uh, 318. I have some um, kind of like a Bible study, I guess, but I, I just wanted you to see some things that are in the text. So uh, then... then the next slide should be a set of verses with some underlining and, yeah, there we go. So uh, it's just a text before us, and we're only going to address wives, husbands, and children, and fathers this morning, and we're going to save uh, tw- verse 22 through 4-1 for the next time I preach. But ju- I just wanted you to notice, here, here are the duties, right, underlined. Wives are su- to submit to their husbands, and notice it is as is fitting in the Lord, Right, so there's that first word, Lord. First time I mentioned in this, in this section, I've, I've put it bold for you. It's the word curios or master, Lord. So husbands, you love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Same word there, Lord, master, curios. Fathers, do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged. And then down in the next section, bond servants obey in everything those who are your earthly masters. There's that word again. Not by way of eye service as people pleasers, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. I'm not sure if I bolded that or not, but it should be. Yes, fearing the Lord. There's that word again. Masters is Lord. Uh, fearing the Lord, that's that word, kurios, Lord. Same word there. Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. For the wrongdoer will be paid back for the wrong as he has done, and there is no partiality. Masters, same word, treat your bondservants justly and fairly, knowing that you also have a master or Lord in heaven. So it's clear that Paul is repeating this word I can't remember how many times, seven or eight times, uh, and, and he's making a point here. And I think the point he is making is that authority is good and submission to good authority is good. So how does it look at home when we set our affections on things above? It looks like the proper exercise of submission and authority. So there were lots of household codes in the Greco-Roman world. Lots of household codes. Aristotle had one. Um, and in the household codes in the Greco-Roman world, even in Aristotle's, the husband, the father, and the master were all addressed, and they were all addressed as usually the one in charge. And those under his authority were inferior to him, just by nature of who they were. 
So Paul takes that household code and he sort of like redeems it and makes it Christian. Actually, he, he takes what is true of the code and corrects it to say what it always should have been. So in addressing those under authority, telling them to submit and to obey to those in authority, he is affirming the goodness of both submission and authority. And I'm making a big deal about this because I think our culture does not like submission and authority. I think I don't like submission and authority. And we need to be reminded that authority is from God and it's good. It's good. So the difference with this code as opposed to others of the day was that both submission and authority were owed to the Lord first and those in authority were to use their authority for the good benefit of those under their authority. So the question is, who is the Lord? Who is the Lord that you're supposed to give your obedience to? Chapter 3, verse 17, you can, you can just look up. Chapter 3, verse 17 tells us who that is. It says, whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So verse 17 explains that whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus. The Lord Jesus has ultimate authority. And so if you look back in Colossians chapter 1, verse 15 through 20, you'll see this hymn about Jesus. He made everything, and everything that he made is supposed to be under his authority. Because he made everything, everything was by him and for him, and everything existed for him. The question is, how did he use that power? How did he use that authority? How did he use, you know, uh, this kind of power? He chose to use it, verse 20, chose to use that power to reconcile all things to himself, how? By making peace through the blood of his cross. All humans, in Colossians 2, 13 through 14, we, we see that all humans have a, a massive debt that they could not pay back. It was like a lifetime of debts compounded together that they could never pay back. And it was impossible, but God canceled that debt with its legal demands by setting it aside, nailing it to the cross. This is the Lord Jesus, who has all authority in heaven and earth. He submitted himself in order to pay the debt himself. This is, this is what it looks like to set your affections on things above and use submission and authority properly. So you, wives, children, employees. You can submit to authority as Jesus submitted to authority as unto the Lord. So the Lord, the master that Paul is talking about in 3, 18 through 4, 1, it is the Lord Jesus Christ who gave up his life for others. So I just want to set the stage here, right? Three, I just want to talk about three things about submission and two things about authority. Just give us some principles and, and then maybe try to work it out a little bit in these, these two relationships of, 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 of spouses and children, uh, and, and then we can apply it in different ways too. But the five principles about submission and authority. It's a little bit different than what we normally do, but I, just, I thought this was important for, for us in our cultural setting right now. How do we show that authority and submission are good? 
Well, the first principle is that submission is good. And it's a good part of the created order. So, submitting to authority, and the word is actually ordering yourself under someone else's authority. Submission to authority, ordering yourself under authority, is not only how the world works. It is how the world works, though. There has to be authority and submission for it to work. But it is how God created the world to work. Authority and submission are good when used rightly. Self-rule was never how we were meant to live. So Genesis 1, 26 through 31, I think is a good place to start. It says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply. And fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion. That's authority over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of the earth and every tree which with its seed and its fruit, you shall have for food. And to every beast of the earth, and to every bird of the heavens, and to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has breath of life, I have given every green plant for food, and it was so. And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. There was evening, and there was morning the sixth day. So even right from the beginning, God is using his authority, giving authority, and, and, and showing that submission and authority are both good things from God. So God uses good authority to make man and woman in his image, to command them to have dominion or authority over creation, and he saw that it was very good. So this is controversial, but this is what the scriptures say, that the woman was made from man, and, and to help man. Chapter 2, verse 18 Then the Lord said, it is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper that's fit for him. And God, so God took Eve from Adam. And as an expression of Adam's authority that God had given him, Adam named everything that he saw. Adam named all the animals. And then after Eve was born, he sees her. And he says, at last, this is bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. So he, he names her as an expression of his authority, good authority, not bad authority. And he names her and he says, woman, whoa, man. I mean, he looks at it, right? That's the, that's the cheesiest thing. But he did do it. Uh, and, and, and she was woman because she was taking, taken from man. And he loved her. So both authority and submission were used rightly, and it was very good. So however you understand or experience authority and submission today, know that from the beginning it was meant for good. If you experience it negatively, it's, it's probably one or maybe it's a couple of things going on. Either others are misusing it, or you are misunderstanding it, or maybe both things are happening. Authority and submission are good. 
but can be abused. They can be used badly. So the second principle is that those under submission have dignity and value and worth. Submission, submission is good, and those who submit themselves have dignity and worth. So by addressing wives, children, and servants as, as those who submit and obey as to the Lord, he dignifies them as equals. They're equal in dignity and value as much as those who have authority. So this is especially apparent in the servant-master relationship, as we'll, we'll see in a, in a few weeks. So Paul is putting Genesis 1 and 2, God's good authority put on display, into practice in a fallen world. All human beings have dignity and worth because they're created in God's image. It doesn't matter your age, your gender. Uh, it, it doesn't matter your position. All human beings are beautiful and interesting. C.S. Lewis said, if you saw a human being for what they really were, you'd be tempted to fall down and worship them because they're made in God's image. They're beautiful and interesting and they have value. And if you're abusing somebody with whatever authority you have, you are lying about who God is and what good authority is. He created man and woman equal in dignity and worth and value. They, they, don't, they don't come from our position or, like I said before, our gender or our age. They come from being created in God's image. So they're lasting. Number three, submission can be abused. And so Paul qualifies how those under submission or those under authority should subject themselves. And maybe you notice it as we were reading and I was underlining them. He says that wives should submit to their husbands as is fitting to the Lord. Children, obey because it pleases the Lord. Servants or employees, bond servants or, or employees, obey out of reverence for the Lord, fearing the Lord and serving the Lord. So submission can be abused. So Paul qualifies it. He says, you know, not only is it pleasing to God, not only should you do it in fear of the Lord, but you must do the things that are pleasing to the Lord. So if those in authority tell you to do something that's not pleasing to the Lord, you must disobey that authority and obey God's authority. Fourth, husbands should never coerce submission from their, fam from their wives, should lovingly discipline children and employees only when necessary. So by coerce, I mean to, to force, by force or by threats. Husbands should never do that. Now, now if, it, if you mean by coerce, persuade with, by goodness and kindness, uh, that, that's good. Uh, there, there are times when children and, and employees have to, have to be disciplined, uh, but that should always be, be done lovingly for the good of those under authority. Friends, what would it look like to draw out submission by modeling it and loving it? Fathers, what would that look like? Employers, what would that look like? Teachers, what would that look like? What would it look like to, to draw out submission by modeling it to God, to those in authority over us, and loving others so well that it's easy? It's easy for people to submit to you. So submission is good. Those under submission have dignity and worth. Submission can be abused. Husbands should never coerce. Fathers and employers should, should discipline lovingly. 
So the last thing is that those with authority are also under authority. And you see that at the end of the section. Masters, treat your bondservants. Notice uh, bondservant, um, the ESV chooses to translate it that, that way for certain reasons. And you can look at the, the, the preface uh, in the ESV and it tells us why they do that. Because a, a bondservant actually in, in that culture uh, was was only to be a servant for a set amount of time unless they chose otherwise. And then at the end of seven years, they were free to go. And then they were remunerated for all of their, their time spent. That's what we think Paul is referring to here. He says, bond, Masters, treat your bondservant, Lords, treat your bondservants justly and fairly, knowing that you also have a master in heaven. So, friends, all humanity. All human authority is derived authority from God and should be used in a way that God uses his authority for the good of others and selflessly. You can see it in in Philippians chapter 2, the way Jesus used his own authority. And Paul tells us in Philippians to to model ourselves after him. To not think of our own interests first, but the interests of others. Why? Because because God, Jesus Christ, who was God, did not grasp his authority. He didn't hold on to it or demand his rights, but he, he gave it up. He emptied himself by taking the form of a servant. So authority, even though it has been abused in one way or other since the fall, Jesus is, has redeemed it and, and says authority is good. Submission is good because he both, he both was ahead and had ahead. He both was in authority and was under authority as the God-man. And ever since the fall, men, we have been abusing our authority by, by being dictators or abdicators or grasping for authority that is not ours. And ever since the fall, women have been grasping for authority that is not theirs. All of us are doing that. Jesus never grasped at authority or abused it or abdicated. He always used it for the good of others. So how does this play out in our home, in this new humanity, where, where our affections are set on things above and not on things of the earth? So we just want to look at these three relationships We'll do two this week, and then the next time I preach, we'll, we'll do the third one. We're going to look at wife and husband, children, and fathers. Wives and husband, yes. Yes, you may go to the bathroom. So, uh, wives and husbands, uh, and, and we've already read it, so you can just see it there. Wives are, are called to submit to their husbands. Ephesians tells us, uh, wives, submit to your own husbands. Wives aren't called to submit to every husband or every man. They're called to submit to their own husband. And friends, it's not because husbands are perfect, obviously, or because, uh, because they're smarter than you, or because they have a, a certain number on the Enneagram, right? They're like number one on the Enneagram. And so you know, they're just leaders. They were born leaders. That's not it. That's not what Paul's saying. But because God has ordered humanity this way, The word submit, as I said before, means to order yourself under. So this is a free submission. This is never demanded. Husbands, this should never be demanded by you. If you have to demand it, something's wrong. So it's a a free ordering of yourself under because it's fitting in the Lord. 
And notice it's different from children and servants who are to obey. Wives are, are told to submit, to arrange themselves under. Wife, you are, you are not a slave or a maid or a, or a child. You're a helper. And God is, and if you think being a helper is demeaning, God is described as our helper in the Bible. Uh, Psalm 54, 4 says, Behold, God is my helper, upholder of my life. What a glorious thing that we get to be considered like God when we are when we're fulfilling our roles as, as helpers. God gave the wife to the husband as a helper. And God made, and God made men to protect, provide, serve, lead, and love. Okay? And he made women to help him do that. Women are, are called to do a lot of the same things, just in a different way. Provide, protect, serve, lead, and love. And so when you're doing that for those under your care, you are acting like God and using good authority. And it's telling our culture there's, there's a different way to live. When we have our minds, our affections set on things above, we're telling our, our world and our, and our culture that God is good and authority is good. And he laid down his life, his very rights, so that we could be cared for. Our culture tells us that this think, kind of thinking is bad and oppressive, but God tells us it's good. So we just have to ask, which narrative will we believe? You know, one of the reasons this is so hard to talk about for me <laughs> and so hard to hear, you know, for us, uh, is because um, we long for autonomy. Am I the only one right now? Have I found friends here that also long for autonomy? Oh, you too? You long for autonomy as well? Yeah, we see self-government as the greatest good. But all of us are under authority somehow. And God's authority itself is good. So we, we must remember that the, the one, capital O, the one who, had, who was under no authority at all, willingly arranged himself under the authority of his own creation. He was smarter than them. He was a better leader than them. He was all the Enneagram numbers at once perfectly. He, he, was, he, he was a better leader. He created them and he submitted himself under their human authority for the good of humanity. So I think the phrase... Wives, as is fitting in the Lord, I think limits your submission to whatever is revealed in God's will. If your husband asks you to do otherwise, you must obey God rather than man. You can arrange yourself under authority because we see Jesus. Husbands then are supposed to love their wives and not to be harsh with them. Husbands were never called to love their wives in the other household codes. Uh, they were provide and protect, yes, but to love was a strictly Christian characteristic. And Ephesians 5 tells us how husbands are to love. Husbands are supposed to love as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. As Christ laid down his life, so the husband should freely give up his life and his rights so his wife can be rightly related to God. Husbands, if you are abusing your wife emotionally or physically or spiritually, but calling yourself a Christian, you should consider whether you are really a Christian or not. 
Christians represent Christ in their very name. They're little Christs. And if you say, I represent Christ in everything I say and do, and yet you abuse your wife, you are lying about Christ. Christ would never do that. He chose to take the punishment for sin rather than allow his wife to. So husband, if this is true of you, repent and turn to Jesus. Ask for forgiveness from God and from your wife and reform your ways. So friends, how might this work out in our marriages? How might wives submitting to their husbands and and husbands loving their wives work out in our marriages? There's lots of ways. You can think about this. Uh, and what might this look like in your, in your home if you, if you ha- don't have a spouse, but you have a roommate, or you're living with other people? Friends, especially for wives and husbands, am I regularly making decisions that do not involve my wife? Just ask yourself that. Am I, am I regularly making decisions that don't involve my wife? That treat her like she doesn't matter, her opinion doesn't matter? I would just say you should involve your wife in nearly probably every decision that affects your home in some way or not. If there's regular disagreement on the decisions you're making, there's there's probably a problem, and you should seek help. I'd I'd be happy to recommend you, to counsel you, or to recommend you to, to, to biblical counseling. And wife, if you're regularly disagreeing with your husband's decisions for your family, you also have to consider whether you are arranging yourself under authority or the authority is really bad. Authority, the authority could be bad and you may need to separate yourself from a time uh, from, from him. But it, it could be that you're grasping at authority. These could be warning signs for us. So here's what I want to encourage you to do. Have a regular time when you, when you get together as a, a, as a couple, or you know, maybe you're not married. Get, to, get together with those uh, in your house and, and ask questions about life and household stuff. Questions to, to ask your spouse, how, you know, how am I doing loving you well? Or, or, or maybe you're, you're having disagreements. Hey, we seem to be having a lot of disagreements. Am, am I using my authority poorly? How, how can I serve you better? How can I love you better? How can I lay my life down for you? How does it feel when this happens? Ask those kinds of questions. Dig in. A home that sets its affections on things above is going to look like the right use of submission and authority. So, from wives and husbands to children and fathers, children are, t- are told to obey their parents in everything. Because it pleases the Lord. Remember back to, the, to Deuteronomy and, the, and the, the law code. Children, obey your parents in the Lord. O- obey them. This, this pleases him. Our world tells us that children are smarter than their parents, that they have autonomy over their choices, but this is not good for our kiddos. Dear friends, our kids need parents to help them navigate their way through life. They need dad and mom to help them know what is right and wrong. And children left to their own will will end up being harmed 
and doing harm. Let's not leave our children to their own. And if you don't have children, I just want to encourage you as a parent, get involved in other kids' lives. Parents will, will welcome that. Friends, this assumes that parents are asking their children to do what is pleasing to the Lord, not what is displeasing to him. And kids, kids, this means that what is pleasing to God, not what is pleasing to you, right? If your parents are demanding that you sell drugs, smoke cigarettes, or get drunk, you have my permission to disobey them. And please come talk to me about it. We need to have a conversation. But if they're asking you to do things that are pleasing to the Lord, it's pleasing to God when your parents ask you to do your homework. When your parents say, turn off your phone, read a book, clean your room. It is, it is pleasing to him when you obey right away and with a good attitude. So here, here's the deal. If your parents ask in the wrong way or are impatient with you, it doesn't give you the right to disobey them. It's true that we are wrong when we lose our patience. We, we raise our voice in unacceptable tones. It's wrong. But that doesn't mean our request is wrong or give you permission to disobey. So let God take care of the parents. He will discipline us, I promise you. You don't have to worry about that. Honestly, as kids, you have one job right now. That's to obey mom and dad. It doesn't get more complicated. It actually gets a lot more complicated as you get older. So give thanks. When you disobey and have to have your behavior corrected, let your response be a Christian response. Ask for forgiveness. Admit you're wrong. Ask for forgiveness from God first. And then from your mom and dad. Jesus will forgive you. And mom and dad, it is our great joy to forgive our kids. And not to hold it over their heads. Never to bring it up again. Tell them you forgive them before they even get the words out of their mouth. Like the prodigal son running to his father before he could barely get the words out of his mouth. Fathers, forgive and welcome. Not to fathers. We are told not to provoke our children lest they become discouraged. So sometimes it's the reason our kids rebel the ways they do. It has something to do with us. And Paul has to tell fathers in particular, but parents in general, not to provoke their children lest they become discouraged. Or they want to give up. We can discipline our kids too quickly. Parents, sometimes we put too many rules and expectations on our children that they can become discouraged. We can discipline them at the drop of a hat because we're in a bad mood. This will embitter them. That's the word, discourage. It, it, it embitter them. It will become, they will, they will want to give up. On the other hand, we can have too few expectations for our kids, can't we? And that can be confusing as well. Or we can have inconsistent expectations on our children that ends up discouraging them. They can get confused about what's expected of them. And in Ephesians 5, Paul tells fathers how to do this, to bring up your children in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. This is how you're not harsh with them. You don't demand more than the Bible demands of them. You teach them, you discipline, you instruct them in the Lord. So a long pattern of this, even before I came, 
One thing you can do is to, to read, pray, sing. We have kids that get up early, and I've been struggling to think about how I am not a morning person, so how do I get up and engage my kids right away? And, and I've been thinking, this, this read, pray, sing thing, maybe, maybe we could read a psalm, the psalm of the day, say a quick prayer personalizing that psalm, and sing together. What, what a great start to the day, and, and what a way to use your authority for good with your children, not discouraging them, pointing them to Jesus, who's the author and finisher of their faith. What would it look like for families, homes, when our affections are set on things above? It'll look like fathers using their authority to build up their kids. From time to time, I watch uh, those Britain's Got Talent show, America's Got Talent show. There's fun. I only watch the good ones, right, because those are the best. I mean, I think the bad ones are fun, too, but for different reasons. But when I want to be built up, I watch the good ones. And, and it's fun to watch these people who are really talented, and uh, they come in with, with, they just don't know how they're going to be received. It's kind of like anyone who does something publicly. They just don't know. Like, I, I don't know how I'm being received right now, and I'll probably hear later, right? <laughs> but when, when these people get up and sing or tell a joke or dance, and they really do a good job, it is cool to watch 4,000 people stand up and applaud them and cheer them on. And sometimes they'll just like break down and cry because they've never been received like that. They've, they've never been validated like that. So fathers, what would it look like for us to do that for our kids? Uh, have expectations for them. Discipline and correct, but cheer them on. Good job. When's the last time you told your kid, good job? Good, you did a really good job. Of that. I am proud of you. Your kids, like you, are longing for validation. They're longing to hear a good and faithful servant enter in to what I have won for you. What would it look like for us not to tear our kids down or only to see how they could do it better, but cheer them on with approval? You did great. I'm so proud how you finished this school year. You, you, it was hard for you, but you, you finished well and strong. I'm proud of you. And when we discipline them, we discipline, uh, the discipline is over when it's finished. And we, we don't keep a record of wrong and we don't bring it up again. We, we're, we're finished with it and we love them. And we're waiting for them to do a good job, not waiting for them to screw up. Dads, one of the ways you can be a good father is through your presence. So uh, a lot of times we're, we're there, but we're not really there, right? We can be distracted. Moms and dads, it's so easy to be distracted. I, I find myself having to fight it all the time. The, the fatherlessness problem it is a huge problem, not only in our country, but in our world. So if you show up, you who have shown up, been with your kids, provided for them, good job. You've done a good job. I'm proud of you. You dads who are there for your children, providing and protecting them, good job. Let's keep doing it. 
Let's show up emotionally and spiritually. Let's read, pray, sing with our kids. Let's use our authority so that the world can see and and our hearts will be filled that our affections are set on things above where Christ is seated. That we are hidden with Christ in God. And and when we do the... uh, this new life, this new humanity will show up in our homes and people will look on and they'll say, what's going on there? Fathers, mothers, husbands, wives, roommates, friends in our church, let's set our affections on things above and let them affect our relationships so that Jesus might be praised. Father, we pray that you would use 